Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we continue our series on the life of David. Today, Lead Pastor David Fossil guides us through what is probably the most famous story about David as we're pointed to defeating the giants in our life. We're reminded that there were four things David recalled as he prepared to meet his Goliath. Listen as Pastor Dave gives us some principles to help us kill the giants we face. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to page 284, page 284 or 1 Samuel chapter 17. As you guys are turning there, uh, you guys know I'm a big sports fan, especially a big soccer fan. Uh, and uh, whether you're a fa- soccer fan or not, you may have heard probably the number one soccer story in the world this past year was this right here. Let's put it up there. Leicester City, this small little team in England um, that with no budget, basically, very small team, ended up winning the Premier League in England. They ended up beating powerhouse teams like Manchester United and Manchester City and Newcastle and Seattle and Arsenal. This little team out of nowhere won the Premier League. Now, if you know anything about England, you, you, you'll you also know that they're into gambling a lot, legalized gambling. And about a year ago, when the season started, uh, the odds for Leicester City to win the Premier League were much worse than some of the other odds I'm going to show you. I just want to give you perspective how crazy this one this win was. So, for example, let's put the first up there. Simon Cowell, being the next Prime Minister of England, was paying at 500 to 1. Better odds than Leicester City. This next one will interest you. Alien Life Discovered by 2017 was paying at a thousand to one. Okay? This next one, if you're into politics, you'll love. Kim Kardashian is our next United States president. You thought it was going to be Kanye a couple years? No! Kardashian, 2,000 to one. Those of you who are into music will be excited about this one. Elvis is still alive! was paying at 2500 to 1. You could put $1 down, and if it turns out he's hiding in some cabin in Tennessee, you get paid $2,500. Those of you that are Hispanics, you will love this next one. Mexico to win the Olympic gold in basketball. Paying at 3000 to 1. Si se puede. No se puede. They're not going to win. Right? Okay? That's 3000 to 1. So just to give you perspective, last slide. Leicester City to win the champions of the EPL was paying at 5,000 to 1. There was a better chance for them to end up last in the league than first. And there were stories, fans of Leicester City, that, that while they were drunk on a Friday night, just for a lark, decided to throw $20 down on their team and were paid $100,000 at the end of the season right? Now, why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you because 5,000 to one, my gut tells me, is what the odds were for David to beat Goliath. We are in week two of our summer series on the life of David. And today we talk about what is probably the most famous of all David's stories, whether you're a churchgoer or not. This, this, this phrase, David beating Goliath, is a cultural phrase that people understand. In fact, our image for the series, you'll see on the screen, 
is the image of little old scrawny David going up against the champion Shaquille O'Neal Goliath that he defeats. I realize you know the story, but I'm hoping that uh, this morning we will uh, be able to get some um, new insight on the story. We're going to start by reading a chunk of it. I don't have the verses on the screen. I encourage you, whether it's on your device or in your Bible, to follow along. First Samuel chapter 17, we're going to read the first 16 verses. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war, and they assembled at Sukkah in Judah. Verse 2, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another hill. That will become significant later on. With the valley between them, a champion by the name of Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. Think about that. He had a bronze helmet on his hand, wore a coat of scale armor and bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like, like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are not you the servants of Saul? Choose one man and have him come down to me. If this one man is able to fight and kill me, we will become your servants and subjects. But if I overcome him and I kill him, then, well, you will become our subjects and you will serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let's fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. Now David, the son of Ephraim, named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons and in Saul's time he was old old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Adonab, and the third Shammah. David, however, was the youngest. The three of the oldest followed Saul into war, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine Goliath came forward every morning and every night, and he took his stand. If you look at your study guide this morning, what we're going to talk about is is defeating our giants in life, defeating our Goliaths. Um, Goliath for us this morning represents any big issue, any big problem, any big question that has the potential to defeat us or to destroy us. Now, for, for any, it could be different for different folks. It, it could be a marriage that's on, on the rocks and, and about ready to collapse. It could be an addiction that you can't shake. It can be an emotional trauma such as discouragement or anger or, or, or depression or, or grief or whatever it is. It can be you being desperate in your career to either get a job or get out of a job and get a new job. It could be a financial crisis. You, 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 you can't, you ends don't meet and you're in trouble and you don't know what to do. It could be a family issue where, where, where kids aren't, aren't getting along with and aren't seeing eye to eye with their parents. It could be extended family issues. I don't know what your Goliath is this morning, but whatever the Holy Spirit brought to mind, your Goliath, your giant, how do I do to my giant what David did to Goliath. How do I do that? Well, before we get into the principles, the, the most important thing you, you have to start with, you see it on the screen, is you have to understand how giants operate. 
You have to understand what Goliath is going to try and do to, to you emotionally and physically and spiritually and financially. And once you understand that, it now then puts you in a better perspective to apply the principles. So there, there's four things about giants I want to make sure you understand. Here's the first is their, their priority is to isolate you. To isolate you. They don't want you tackling your Goliath, your giant, with, a, with a, a group of other friends, other Christians, other family members. They want you alone, by yourself. They don't want you, at the end of the service, to go into the prayer room and say, you know, could you please pray for, and then fill in your blank, your Goliath. They don't want you to do that. They want you to keep it to yourself. They want you to keep it secret. They want to convince you that you don't want to share with other people. What are they going to think about you? It's interesting what two times Goliath says to the troops, to the armies of Israel. It is what is known as representative warfare. In verse 8, choose a man, as in one man. You guys choose one man and have him come down to, to me. I'm one man. And, 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 and I'm going to defy you to do that. Verse, verse 10, give me one man and let's fight each other. We don't want to get all the Israelites fighting against all the Philistines because what's going to happen is a lot of people are going to die. We have a better strategy. You pick one guy, one fighter, and he'll fight me. And whoever wins wins for their entire army, for their entire nation. But likewise, whoever loses, loses for the, your entire army, your entire nation. And the reward is, is, is if you win, we will serve you. But if I win, you all serve us. Give me one man. It's called representative warfare. Now, it makes a lot of sense, especially if Goliath is your guy. Right. If you've got Goliath, right, Brock Lesnar's going out to fight whoever. Right. We'll do that. I'll do that. Right. Um, what you need to understand is that the Bible, when it speaks of Christianity, when it speaks of def defeating our giants, our Goliaths, Christianity was never meant to be about me. It was always meant to be about we. Galatians chapter 6, carry and bear one another's burdens. Ecclesiastes 2 are better than 3. Uh, uh, Jesus, where 2 or 3 are gathered. The Bible, God never intends you to, to go out into the battlefield of life by yourself. He never intended that. In, instead, He intends you to live out your faith in community with others. So that when you face Goliath, you've got someone that's covering your back. I was teaching on this principle in Africa just six months ago and on this principle of community. And I was teaching to about 40 pastors. And as I was teaching, two or three of them just yelled out, zebra, zebra. What? what what's going on? Zebra. You know, and, and, and see, for us as Americans, we don't understand the zebra principle. Because when we see zebras, we see them in the zoo. But for an African, when they see zebras... They see them in the wild, right? The zebra principle is very simply reflected in this picture that my daughter took when we were there two years ago. One afternoon when we were in Masai Mara, Jesse and I saw 40,000 zebra. An incredible sight. But you know what's amazing? When you see zebras out in the wild, 
every single one of them is virtually standing just like that. Back to back. Or butt to head, however you want to say it. And it's the idea that, okay, I'm going to graze and eat here. And I'll keep my eye on what's going on this way. And you graze there and you keep your eye on what's going on that way. Why? Because in the zoo, you don't have predators coming at you. But in that context, there are lions and leopards and all kinds of animals that are trying to get them. I don't have a lot of time to spend here. I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Who's got your back? Who's got your back? In two months, I don't want to beg you to sign up for a small group. That small groups right there. Oh, I know you guys do Bible study. I get that. But the primary purpose of small groups is that. Now, for you to have someone have your back, here's one more thing I got to say. It's tough. You got to be vulnerable. You got to be willing to say someone else to say to someone else, you know, I'm struggling with this. I got that issue. I got this problem that I'm dealing with. Don't pretend that life is perfect. Right. But one of the things that Goliath is going to try and do, right, he's going to try and isolate you. He wants you by yourself. Okay. the second thing that you need to understand about uh, Goliath is that their greatest weapon is intimidation. Intimidation In, in verse 11. They heard Goliath and were dismayed and terrified. In verse 24, they saw Goliath and they experienced great fear. So let's just understand this. No fighting has happened yet. No swords have been taken out. No, no armies have battled against one another. Nothing's happened yet. All that's happened is they've seen Goliath and he's done some trash talking. That's all he's done. Why, why do people trash talk in sports? Because, you know, if you can get in that guy's head to some extent, whether you think it's right or wrong, you won half the battle. I've won half the game. And Goliath is doing the same thing. He knows if I can get in their brain and create worry and anxiety and stress and fear, I've won half the battle. That is why God's word spends so much time talking about I don't want you to live with anxious thoughts. Bring those to God in prayer. I don't want you to live a life of worry. That is sin. It's an emotional trauma that Goliath is going to try and get you to worry about your health and to worry about this and to worry about your finances and to worry. And the minute he's got you worried, it actually aggravates the problem. His priority is to isolate you. His weapon, his greatest weapon is to intimidate you. His strategy is to drain you. His strategy, and I say annoying strategy, because the key in verse 16 is this idea that for 40 days, every morning, every night, every morning, every night, every morning, every night, every morning, every night, he keeps showing up again. It's a persistent, I'm not going to let you rest. And here's one thing you need to know about your giant. Whatever your Goliath is, ignoring it will not necessarily make it go away. It's going to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. And try and drain the resolve and the energy from your spirit to do something about it. The last thing you need to know about Goliath and your issue or your problem is that Goliath's goal 
is to enslave you or to control you. He makes it very, very clear in verse 9. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. If you win, we will be slaves to you. But if I win, you will be slaves to us. That's the whole goal. The whole goal of your financial crisis is to enslave you. The whole goal of your relational crisis is to enslave you. The whole goal of your career crisis, your spiritual crisis, is to enslave you. You see, the enemy, Goliath, can't necessarily and won't change your eternity, but he can change what happens right here on earth. He may not be able to keep you from living with Jesus for the rest of your life, but he can keep you from serving Jesus right here on earth. That is your choice. He wants to enslave you and shackle you. Now, the verse that I have on the screen, I didn't put it up there. I should have. Uh, it, it is from the translation NASB, New American Standard Bible. Why do I mention that to you? What we have in our in our the chairs is NIV. OK, it's what we normally use. Uh, but sometimes I will look at the NASB because it is the most literalistic translation from the Hebrew. So you want to know exactly what the Hebrew says. It's always better to go to NASB. And, and they add something that the NIV does not add that really adds a piece of information that I think is very interesting. So Goliath comes out and is taunting the Israelites, right? And, and what we read in verse 25, the men of Israel then said, Okay, have you seen this man? Days have gone by. We're at day number 40. This man who is coming up. Coming coming up. The NIV says coming out. But but the Hebrew says coming up. Surely he is he is coming up to defy Israel. What is going on here? Why is this significant? Well, we are told at the beginning of the story that the Philistines are on one hill and the Israelites are on another hill and there is a valley between them. Now, from a military standpoint, you don't have to have been in the armed forces to know you don't want to be in the valley. You are giving up advantage when the, your opponent is above you. They have the advantage. So it's a stalemate. The Philistines are on their hill and the Israelites are on their hill. But apparently as the days go by, day after day after day, and Goliath realizes these guys aren't doing anything, he starts to get brave and he starts to go down into the valley and he starts to come down into the valley. Send me one of your guys and we will fight. And then when he realizes they're still not doing anything, apparently what he starts to do is he starts to go up their hill. But look, he's, he's, he's coming up. He's, he's, not on, he's not on his hill anymore. He's, he's coming up from the valley. You want to know something about your Goliath, about your giant? If you don't kill it, if you don't fight it, he will take more and more and more territory. Her name was Leanne Rodriguez, and she signed up to, to run a 5K. And uh, apparently when she showed up for her race, she was late. Okay, so she went to her 5K race. She showed up. She registered real quickly. She saw that the runners were already going and she just she just followed the runners back. Just started running after them, right? And uh, one small problem that Leanne made is that the organizers of that race had actually scheduled and, and organized two races. One was a 5K. Now, if any of you have ever done a 5K, that's 3.1 miles, okay? Uh, it's not a terribly long distance, 3.1. 
Uh, that was race number one. The second race that these organizers had also planned was a half marathon. 31 miles. The mistake she made is that the runners she started following was the half marathon runners. The 5K runners were taken off from a different location and going in a different direction. Later, Leanne was interviewed and she said to the reporter, I wondered why this 5K was taking so long and it was so much harder. It's just us, right? That's not, don't tell anyone, but have you, um, <clears throat> with this Christianity thing, did, did you, do you ever feel like you signed up for a 5K, but it ended up being a half marathon? I didn't realize it was going to be this hard. I don't want to lie to you. I, 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 I don't ever want to be that guy. And I just need you to know before I give you six principles on killing giants, you're going to ha- have to work harder and expend more energy than you ever thought you'd have to do. If you want to kill your giant, if you want to eliminate your Goliath, if you want to overcome your big, huge problem, issue, whatever it is, you may don't go into it thinking it's a 5K. It's more like a half marathon. Six principles. I hope they're helpful for you. Principle number one. I want to encourage you to identify any possible spiritual components to your battle. Identify, and the key word on number one is possible. They're not all spiritual components. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Sometimes your Goliath is just, you know what, you didn't catch a break. You know what, that's just the economy. You know what, you just made a mistake. And sometimes it has nothing to do with the Bible and God and, and the spirit world. But sometimes it does. When we uh, vacationed just about a, a couple months ago in Spain, uh, my family, we flew from SFO, San Francisco, to Dallas, to Madrid, to Valencia. It was a long trip. When we got to Spain and, and the, our, the main airport in Spain, Madrid, um, they made us go through the TSA one more time where we had to put our bags through the, uh, you know, the, the, the x-ray machine, right? Thank goodness we weren't um, in, a, in a hurry to get to our next plane because when we put our bags through, uh, they, they pulled one backpack aside and they said, Who's, uh, whose is this backpack? And it was Julia, my 11-year-old, right? It's Julia's bag, okay? And that TSA officer went through every single pouch, every single zipper, pulled everything out. The last pouch she pulled out A pair of scissors. Right? And it was at that moment, in perfect Spanish, I pointed to Sandy and said, that's her daughter. (laughs) I got the two older ones. My daughter didn't know she wasn't supposed to do this. Right? And it wasn't just a little small. No, it was was a nice big scissor. She wanted to make bracelets for her friends on vacation. She needed scissors. Right? Nothing really happened. I mean, my poor daughter, you know, the TSA agent was like, no. That was a big joke. The whole, no. Can I buy this dad? No. Right. I want an ice cream. No. You know, one of the things though, when I walked away, right. uh, And they, of course, kept the scissors. The thought that I had was this. What the heck are they doing in SFO? 
did it get past there? And here's what I want you to, to say to you. You do realize Satan is trying to sneak a weapon through the spiritual x-ray machine. And he's not going to want to make bracelets. He's going to want to stab you. The verse on the screen means very little to us, but for a Jewish reader, it is code for spiritual warfare. There are three phrases, three words in one verse that screams this. This isn't just a battle between the Philistines and the Israelites. This is a spiritual battle between holiness and sinfulness. Three words. The first word is the word uncircumcised. David has just arrived on the battlefield. His older brothers are, 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 are conscripted soldiers. He's back home, right, with the sheep. He's a young kid. He's in 11th grade. Dad sends him to the battlefield with a care package, right? Some Cheetos, Diet Pepsi, some Twix bars. He's going to bring it to his brothers, right? And he shows up right in the middle of one of Goliath's ramps. Right in the middle. And everyone stops and everyone listens. And David is like, oh my goodness, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? Who is he? But see, the word uncircumcised in the Old Testament is code for everything opposite to the, to the covenant of God. Because it, as awkward as it may be for us, circumcision was step one, entering into a covenant relationship with God. Anything uncircumcised, reflective, and conveyed opposite of God. Second code for spiritual warfare is the word Philistine. They just weren't, didn't happen to be just the arch enemies of the Israelites. The, the, the reason why the conflict between the Israelites and the Philistines was their pagan worship. There was no greater culture that followed the Canaanite pagan religion than the Philistines. They were everything the opposite of Yahweh God. Everything. And the last, just to make sure we don't miss it. We may have missed the word uncircumcised. We may have missed the word Philistine. You're not going to miss the last phrase. Just to make sure this giant says, I'm going to defy the armies of the living God. When you're facing your Goliath, when you're facing your giant, the first thing you need to do is you need to put your life and you need to put your, your problem through the spiritual x-ray machine. And you need to see, is there any spiritual component to my battle? Is there anything that I'm not obeying God in that I should be obeying God in? Are there any sins that are contributing to my problem, that are contributing and strengthening the Goliath issue that I'm having? Are there any principles in this book that I am not applying? Any of those questions answered in the affirmative becomes a spiritual component to your battle. It's the first step you have to take. This was not a battle between King Saul, the Israelites, and the Philistines. It was a spiritual warfare going on. The second thing that I want you to think about is I want to encourage you to be motivated, be inspired, be encouraged by how you're going to benefit. How will you benefit if you defeat Goliath? That issue in your life that seems insurmountable. What's going to happen is many times you will be tempted to give up. 
I can't win. I've tried. I can't beat him. And, and, and what I want to encourage you to do is when you have those moments, and you will, whether it's an addiction or whether it's your finances or whether it's the kids or whether it's your marriage, you will feel like I can't win. What you need to do to motivate yourself internally is you got to remember how you will benefit the treasure you will receive if you defeat Goliath. Huge benefits for you. Relational benefits, financial benefits, spiritual benefits, career benefits, physical benefits. You will benefit if you kill Goliath, if you defeat your giant. In this case, it's interesting because Saul realizes, oh my goodness, I can't find anyone that's even willing to fight Goliath. So he decides to, to, to include a incentive program, a commission. And he says, if you defeat Goliath, I will reward you. I will give you three treasures. Number one, I will give you a big pile of cash. Great wealth. Number two, you will get my daughter in marriage. So you now become part of the king's family. Imagine all the implications. And number three, bonus, you never have to pay taxes again. (laughs) Right? And still no one has said, I'll do that. I'll give it a shot. No one's done that. Now, when you think of treasure, when you think of benefits, right? A lot of times, treasure, we just bump into it. So, you know, like the, the, the Lester guy who put 20 bucks down on his team. You may have heard of this coin collector uh, last year who uh, was rummaging around his uncle and aunt's attic last summer. Uh, and because he was a coin collector, you know, he was interested because he found one box with, with a few, you know, some change in it. And, and he found a nickel that was then valued at $2.5 million. He just bumped into it. Here's the thing, though. Most of the times, treasures you don't bump into. Most of the times, you got to work really, really hard to get a reward or a treasure kind of like the treasure that has been discovered last November, just off the coast of Colombia. A crew discovered uh, a Spanish galleon called San Jose. It was sunken 300 years ago. It was packed with silver and with gold. They are still removing it, and, and they estimate that the treasure in that sunken ship, ship is estimated at a minimum of $4 billion dollars. I don't know what your treasure is going to be. But here's the guarantee. You kill Goliath, you're going to benefit. You kill Goliath, you're going to have a treasure. So don't give up. This is the internal perseverance that can keep you going. Don't give up. There's a wonderful reward at the end. Okay? Principle number three. You've got to ignore the people who tell you it can't be done. You've got to ignore them. You know, it's unfortunate, but um, there will always be someone, always, even if it's a good thing that you're trying to do, there will always be someone that says, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to win. You shouldn't try. You know, that's just how you are. There will always be someone that tries to kill your dream. Every single time. Even if your Goliath is worth fighting against, right? This is the opposite of the zebra principle. This is the person who's trying to hurt you and destroy you. You might as well not even try. There will always be people like this. In this story, three people. 
Three pe- now, some of them are obvious. I'm going to start with the most obvious and work my way down. Let me show you the three that told David, y- you probably shouldn't do this. Number one, the enemy. That's the obvious one, right? Goliath in verse 42 through 44 several times says, really? This is, this is who you guys are going to put up against me? Right? He's a pipsqueak. What, what are you in 11th grade? 10th? He's in 10th grade. <laughs> I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to feed you to the animals. That's what Goliath says. But you can, you can expect the enemy to tell you not to do this. The next one seems a little more reasonable. King Saul, the expert, he's the military expert. He says to David, you're, you're a shepherd, right? I mean, I, I appreciate your willingness. I appreciate your courage. I don't think this is going to work. I mean, he, he's like the champion. He, 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 he has gone into these gladiator wars and fights and he's come out ahead every single time and you're a shepherd, right? So, so he not only has the enemy tell him you're not going to be able to do it, he not only has the expert tell him you, you can't do it. What, what to me is most sad is that his own brother tells him you shouldn't do it. Now, this is the second time in two weeks Eliab has come up. And in verse 28, when, when, when David brings him the care package, essentially, and, and David says, well, maybe I should do this. What's going on? And I, I could fight him. It's interesting what his own brother says to him. Now, the, the, the time between chapter 16 and chapter 17 is supposed to be a decent amount of time, but I can't help but imagine if what happened in chapter 16 impacts what happened in chapter 17. You see, in chapter 17, verse 28, he hears his younger brother says, you know, I'll take, I'll take him on. And Eliab says to him, really? You are so conceited. You're a little punk, you know that? Your heart is evil. Now, I wonder if he says that because Eliab was the first one Samuel passed over to be future king. I don't know. But don't miss the contrast. In verse 28 of chapter 17, Eliab says of David, your heart is evil. It's evil. And yet the previous chapter, Samuel chose David. Why? Because his heart was healthy. His soul was healthy. And so here what you have is God saying, I am pleased with what's going on right here. And yet his own brother questions what's going on in his soul. And I just you need to know that's going to happen. People, some people will question your motives. Some people will question where you're at in your faith. And I'm here to tell you, you have to have the confidence in who God has made you to be and where you are going in your walk. And if he's told you to go after Goliath, you keep going. You literally have to ignore the naysayers. Okay, couple more, couple more. Uh, Point number four. It might sound a little strange. Let's put it up there. You got you got to practice on bears and lions. If you still have your Bibles open, I want to read something to you. It's not going to all be on the screen, but verse thirty two, verse thirty two. Now, finally, David gets an audience with the king. Okay, he gets an audience with the king. And in verse 32, David says to King Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine, your servant. In other words, I will go and I will fight him. Saul replied, verse 33, "Uh, you're you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're you're only a boy. And he's been a fighting man from his youth. So remember, Saul has a lot at stake. 
If I let you go out and fight Goliath and you lose, I lose. We all lose. So now what happens, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but now you see David's leadership and frankly, his ability to communicate and influence because David has to sell it. He has to convince Saul to let him go out and fight Goliath. This isn't him just being courageous. This is him convincing the king, let me represent Israel. What is he going to say? How is he going to convince the king? Here's what he says, and I have this next verse for you on the screen. Let's put it up on the screen for those of you who don't have your Bibles. Verse 34 and 35. David said to King Saul, okay, I understand your concerns, but check this out. Your servant, I, I, I've been keeping my father's sheep. You're right, I'm a, I'm a shepherd. But when a lion or a bear came and carried off sheep from the flock, I went after the lion and bear. I struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. This isn't David just on a, on a mountaintop with his rifle shooting at a lion or a bear from a hundred feet away. Oh no, no, no. I chased after the bear. And then when the bear turned on me, he grabbed it by its hair and he stabbed it and he killed it. This may be a, a scrawny 10th grader, but this is a tough hombre. That means a uh, man in Spanish. Just trying to help. Terrence. He's tough. And by the way, just to make, he says this over and over again. So in verse 36, your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised feeling will be like, just like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, the Lord who delivered me again from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. So Saul said, okay, David, go. And the Lord be with you. Did you guys hear what happened to this lady just this past week in Colorado? True story. Did you hear what happened? She went out to her car and someone was in her car. So she did the smart thing. And she decided instead of confronting them, she decided to call the cops, which was smart because you, you never know how that's going to go down. Right. She called the cops, except when the police showed up, one small problem. What was in her car was a bear. Somehow or another, a bear had got into the car and shut the door behind him. So now this bear was on the inside going crazy on the upholstery trying to get out gnawing on the steering wheel so the cops know they need to get the the bear out right so you know to serve and protect right so they got to go right so they unlocked the car right beep beep right then one of the cops came up quickly opened the door ran away and finally the bear came out went up into the hills right when i heard the story i thought how, how did that phone call go with the insurance adjuster? You know, <laughs> do they cover bear damage? I don't think they do. Here's, here, here's what I need you to understand. When David is standing before Saul, David says to Saul, you know that, that the lady in Colorado, you know why I should fight the Goliath? Because I have just, I have more experience than she does with bears. I've had hand to hand combat with bears. Think about that. And lions. Here's the principle. Many of you don't have a Goliath problem in your life right now. 
many of you, life's going pretty good, frankly. Oh, we all got issues, but you don't have a Goliath in your life. But I got to tell you, in a couple months or a couple years, you're going to have a Goliath facing you. And how you handle your Goliath two years from now is going to be based upon, to some extent, what you're doing right now with the bears and lions that you have in your life. You see, every one of us have smaller issues, smaller problems. Every single one of us. Every single one of those issues, every single one of those smaller problems, every single one of those smaller questions. Do you realize God has given you the opportunity to flex your faith muscles? Knowing that someday, based upon how you handle these smaller issues, these bears and lions, will determine what's going to happen when you face Goliath. So when I asked you, what's your Goliath? Some of us couldn't come up with something but you could come up with a hundred different smaller issues. Those are your bears and lions. And I'm just telling you, however you allow God to work in and through you, if you allow him to stretch you, if you respond in faith to these smaller issues, you are preparing yourself for the day that you face off against Goliath. So start practicing. Start practicing. Number five, let's keep going. Let's wrap this up. Uh, I want to encourage you, trust in God, have faith in God, but also wisely plan if you have your bibles verse 38 saul dressed david in his own tunic he put a coat of armor on him and bronze helmet on his head david fastened on his sword over his tunic and tried walking around because because he was not used to them and then he said i I can't go out in these he said to saul because i'm not used to them right i'm not strong enough so he took them off then he took his own staff in his hand, he chose five stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Now, here's one of the things I want to make sure you understand. This is going to sound really, really strange coming from a pastor. Don't over-spiritualize your Goliath. Don't make faith do what it was never intended to do. There are some well-intentioned Christians that over-spiritualize defeating your Goliath. Let me give you kind of an example. Simple, dumb, but it'll make sense. Oh, pastor, I, I, I really need a job. Oh, I desperately need a job. Uh, so, so are you going online and seeing what, what jobs are available? No, I'm just staying home and I'm praying. Well, are you, are you, are you sending out resumes? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm going to go to the prayer room. We're going to pray. Well, are you going on interviews? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just praying. Now, are we for prayer? Of course we're for prayer. But sometimes, some of us take the spiritual angle too far. Oh, we want you to pray. But defeating Goliath also means you have to prepare and plan. Larry's already put up for me the three ways that he does this. The three things he does to plan. He doesn't have a little Bible study. He doesn't have a little prayer meeting. There's three things he does to prepare and plan. One is the armor. Check it, check this out, Saul. I, mean, I can't, your armor's too heavy for me. I can't fight Goliath the way you would fight Goliath. Just a little side note. Just a little side note. Understand that sometimes well-meaning people will try and encourage you 
to accomplish your dream or to defeat your Goliath using their strategies. Does that make sense? And you have to have the wisdom and discernment to know yourself enough to know, is this going to work for me? I know it might work for them, but is it going to work for me? Decision number one, I'm not using Saul's armor. I'm just going out, well, like I am. Decision number two, I'm not going to use a sword. I'm going to use a sling. Now, it's amazing, even in our in our children's classes, when I've seen pictures of David and Goliath, sometimes I've seen him with a slingshot. It's not a slingshot, or else there'd be parents all over America dead, okay? It's a sling. Let me show you. I put an image of a sling. That's what a sling looks like. One thing you may not know about armies in those days is they had three divisions. Number one, they had the, the, anything to do with horses, so cavalry or, or chariots. Number two, heavy infantry, swords, hand-to-hand combat. And third, artillery, bow and arrow and slings. It was literally a weapon that was taken into battle. Now, what you need to understand, you got three rocks that they would use there. They were about the size of a baseball. Then they would put it in the sling. They would round it up about four or five times, release the rock, and it would travel at upwards of 100 miles an hour. Now, I, I, couldn't, hit, I, I, don't, I couldn't hit anything, but if you can have target, you're going to kill someone with that. Here's my point. Don't think David's going into this battle with a squirt gun. He's not going in thinking, God, you better do something because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to kill him with my sling. I'm going to kill him. Last thing I want to point out to you, and, and, and there's people that talk about this. Why five stones? Why five? There, why not one? Don't, I mean, don't you have faith in God? Just take one. One shot, one dead Goliath. Why five? You know why? He's just being smart. I might miss with my first shot. I might miss with my second. I might get him with my third shot. And then the armor bearer comes at me. I'm going to take him out with my fourth shot. Some people have said, well, it's because Goliath had four brothers. Where's, where's that? Where's that? I don't see that. That, that sounds cool. Because if that were true, that would be cool, wouldn't it? There is actually a hint that maybe there were four other tall dudes from Gath. But why we don't believe he had four, four brothers is because it's not in here. That's reading into the text. Why did he take four stone, or five stones? Because he was preparing and he was planning. And so when you're trying to defeat Goliath, you do have to include the spiritual aspect. And I, and I, I don't mean to, I mean to highlight it. You, you should be in that room after church. Just take a minute and say, you know, I got this issue. Could you just pray for me? You should. But you also have to prepare and you also have to put your resume together and you also have to go take classes or get degrees or whatever you have to do to get ready to defeat your, your, your Goliath. OK, last thing. Let me let me wrap this up. You got to seek out and you got to rely on God's power and his presence. Verse forty five to 47 these verses i do have on the screen david said to the philistine you come against me with sword and spear and javelin but i come against you in the name of the lord almighty the god of the armies of israel whom you have defied 
This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Now, when David says this, I can imagine the armies of the Israelites going, yeah, let them have it. And then going, oh my goodness, we're in trouble. This is, right now, this sounds great, but this is pre-battle. He's not done anything yet. Let's put the next slide up there. This very day, okay, remember what the Philistine said to him? Oh, no, no. Opposite, this day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Let me stop right here and tell you a super important point. The story this morning ultimately is not about making your life better. The story this morning is about God getting glory. I hope you defeat your Goliath and your life improves. But the primary point of this story is the glory of God, not my own comfort. And once you get that, it actually strengthens you and further prepares you for battle. All those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's. In other words, I'm prayed up. I'm prepared. But God's going to win this battle for me. He will give all of you into our hands. I know I'm just a little over. Let me show you one thing real quick. Where's my... Oh, here it is over here. Do you guys remember the days when the worst part of traveling was carrying your luggage? Do you guys remember that? You would have to carry your luggage all the way through the airport. Oh my goodness, I put too much in here. (laughs) You know, and then you'd probably have to carry your kid's luggage, right? And by the time you got to where you were going, your arm was near off your socket, right? And then some incredibly godly person (laughs) invented and put these little wheels on the bottom of suitcases. And now a kid... My daughter can take this through any airport without any problem whatsoever. These little tiny wheels. Let me conclude by saying this. Would it make any sense to you if I have wheels on my suitcase to carry my luggage? Would that make any sense to you? Do you realize that many of us do that in life? You got a really, really heavy problem. Did you know that God never promises to take the weight away? Did you know he never promises to, that you're going to defeat your Goliath necessary? That's not a promise he gives you. Do you know what he does promise? My Holy Spirit will help you if you want carry that problem through life. It won't weigh as much. Why are you carrying your luggage You don't fight in your own strength. You should fight in God's strength. You got little wheels on the luggage. Trust him. This is how the story ends. Verses 48 through 50. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Let's close in prayer.
As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to take a quick moment. If you're here today, before we wrap up, you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I'm facing a Goliath and it's hard and it hurts and it's heavy. Please pray for me. If, if you fall into that category, just real quick, I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. Just slip your hand up so I can see and I'll pray for you. Many hands. Anyone else? Just slip it up real quick. Slip it up. Heavenly Father, for many of our friends here this morning that are struggling, they've got a big issue in life. They've got a big problem. They've got a big question, and they're tired. And Goliath keeps taunting them. And Goliath keeps taking more and more of their life. Father, first and foremost today, encourage them. Give them hope. Remind them that the battle is not over because you're still on their sideline. Father, the reality, though, is that some of us feel like giving up. We feel like giving in. Remind us this morning that you are calling us as your children to trust you, to prepare, to identify spiritual items we need to work on, to focus on the reward and the treasure. Father, I pray for everyone here this morning that didn't raise their hand. We are thankful and we praise you that life is going good for many people here. But remind us, those small issues, those small problems, those lions and bears, they're not Goliath. Remind us you've given us those smaller opportunities to prepare. We love you. We're incredibly grateful of how practical and helpful your word is. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, exists to help everyone take their next step closer to Jesus. Thanks again for listening.